Got up pretty early to do this show because my buddy Jim Lighthall and Brian Gregory were up really late taping that coach's show. We wanted to get it on the air for an 8 o'clock airing, so I rolled out of bed at like 4.15 and just kept on rolling into this show. Now, on that Brian Gregory show, I'm telling you, wait until you hear what they said about their stop in Tulsa. Trust me, it's very powerful. And also, you're going to hear them mention, actually, Jim does me a solid, says that the Reggie Cohn interview from last night at halftime will play on Bulls Beat. We just don't have time for it, but I'll do you one better. Go to the SoundCloud page right now. Well, not right now, but when you get a chance, go to SoundCloud, type USF. That's our unlimited, unloaded page, and we've put that whole interview with former Bulls great four-year starter Reggie Cohn, who has made an incredible reputation as a high school coach in that Orlando area. That interview will be up there for you. Well, as we were recording some shows, speaking of former Bulls guards yesterday, Penny Green. You want to hear some stories now. He played for the Bulls in the mid-70s and had a phenomenal background story growing up in the D.C. area, which is where, of course, Michael Kelly also played basketball. As impressive as Penny Green's stories, and he is a top 20 all-time scorer in Bulls history, the fact that Michael Kelly would run full court one-on-one when he was in middle school with Adrian Dantley is also pretty impressive. So that's a full half hour, the return of Kelly's conversations. So the Brian Gregory Show, Kelly's conversations with Penny Green, and Michael Kelly's Bull Speed Ahead with Abby Ritter, all airing on the channel. And again, on both channels, we'll be mixing it up for you throughout the course of the weekend. Head to GoUSFBulls.com and read that article posted Thursday by Joey Johnston about the sold-out Stampede for Women luncheon, the first of its kind. The Stampede for Women is the fundraising initiative. Basically, it's Abby Ritter's idea, and of course, she should be very proud of it. Jeff Scott has already made a $10,000 donation to this that has raised $150,000 already since its inception, and it's all going towards the, of course, female student-athlete programs at USF. Here's a little of Abby with Michael Kelly. You know, so last year, we you really had this vision to launch Stampede for Women, and I think it really kind of got overshadowed by COVID. Um, and so we did. We, we, we put some feelers out there, um, you know, about what the initiative was all about. So that was a year ago in February. And, you know, our committee really worked hard to say, hey, look, it, we've got to just light a fire. So we've got to invite people in this community, get them all in one room at one time, and the rest is really going to be history from there. Um, and so we started planning this event and thankfully, you know, everything went as planned. And I think Michael, as you mentioned, it exceeded our expectations, overwhelming support from this community. Um, you know, people we've never seen here before, um, people that have never been to USF's campus were at the Pam and Les Muma basketball center supporting our female student athletes through this initiative. You'll hear a lot more about it. In fact, Georgina Cork spoke at that event. You'll hear her speaking on softball here in just a few minutes. If you want to catch that bull speed ahead, it's about a 15-minute show. Many chances to hear it, including how to help if you'd like with that Stampede for Women initiative. Let's get to tennis, previewing what's happening at the USF courts today. First of all, the women of head coach Christina Moros hosting UNF should be an easy win. The Ospreys are 0-3. I'm being sarcastic if you're listening. Don't cringe, Coach Moros. UNF is 0-3 but was good enough to be among the top 60 teams in the country and therefore take part in the ITA kickoff event. They had to play the number three team in the country, Georgia, last Friday and lost that one 5 nothing. but then lost to Iowa 4-3. to As a matter of fact, UNF's top three singles players all won their 
matches. Kit Gillihar, who is tremendous, ranked 32nd in the country and helped the Ospreys to the NCAA tournament a couple years back, won her match against Iowa's top player 6-1-6-1, but they would lose the doubles and the bottom three singles, so that was a 4-3 result. They opened their season against the then 20th-ranked Florida Gators, and like the Bulls, got beat. That was 6-1. Oh yeah, we said Gullaher's pretty good. She won her match, 7-6-6-4 against Florida's top player, McCartney Kessler. So ignore the 0-3 record on UNF side. Bulls have also had a tough schedule, 1-3, including a loss to Florida. Then last weekend went to Tennessee, got beat by Xavier, 4-3, and then by Memphis. Christina Morrow said that Gator team, which was ranked 20th when the Bulls played them, is going to end up a top-10 team. Well, the new ITA rankings this week came out and saw them jump from 19 to 13, so... There's that. Speaking of, next weekend's men's tennis opponent, Texas A&M, went up to number 14 in the rankings. But let's start off with who the Bulls are playing this weekend. 10 a.m. start on Saturday. I'm guessing that FAU is not driving up from Boca on Saturday morning. FAU is probably eager to get to wherever they're going. They're 4-0, but they haven't played in two weekends. They went to West Point and won three matches. They The Owls were 9-11 and last year, so off to a 4-0 start. They easily defeated Illinois State and Army. Then they went up against DePaul. Again, they played three times at West Point, and that's a misleading 4-3 win because they actually kind of steamrolled in their four victories, and then the other two matches were still going. It was clinched. They played out the final two matches, which both ended up going to third sets, and at that point, you don't even play a third set. You play a 10-point tiebreaker, and those scores were 12-10 and 11-9. So really, FAU dominated that match. And then, after dropping the doubles point two weekends ago at home against FGCU, they really cruised at the bottom two singles matches. The other four, which basically they had to get two of, all were competitive, but in straight sets. FAU won, so they're on a roll. That's at 10 a.m. And then at 2.30, the Bulls of Ashley Fisher going up against UNF, which is 1-2. and two. But the two losses were to Florida State and Miami. Of course, the Bulls are also 1-2, and two, dropping as tight of a decision as you can to a good Georgia State team, following that up with a big win against Virginia Tech and pushing Georgia, but losing in that one over the weekend. Georgia is the seventh-ranked team in the country. Track and field will be at two different events today and tomorrow, both in Boston, the Crimson Elite hosted by Harvard, the Scarlet and White Invitational at BU. If you want a full preview, you can head to GoUSFBulls.com. It shows exactly who will be competing for the Bulls exactly at what time. And you can also get the schedules for both events and see who some of the competition will be. If you missed my chat with head coach Eric Jenkins earlier this week, it's up on our SoundCloud page, USF Bulls Unlimited Unloaded. Just go to SoundCloud and type USF. Finally, some softball, and again, we'll have much more of this audio next week, but a little bit of already in midseason form Ken Erickson when he was asked how long he's been at it. <laughs> this is year 61 <laughs> since birth, okay? And then and then I can't tell you what it is in between, except I, did, I got here in the fall of 79, right? And I started coaching in the fall of 85. So I, it's, you know, as the head coach and so forth, I think it's around 25, 26, 25, 25 thank you. Does this ever, ever grow old? Teaching? No. Teaching doesn't grow old. You know, every year you have a new class that comes in and, you know, it's a different identity every year. And uh, what you see out there is you get to actually be the, the potter, right? And create that, that, that artistic piece of what you have to deal with. And, you know, this year, 
you know, you're fortunate that you have an ingredient that's been pretty consistent over the last three, four years in Georgina, right? And so it makes you sleep well at night knowing that when you run her out there, you know, every other day or every third day that you got a shot to beat anybody in the country, you know? And, and now this year we have some definite pitching so you don't have to, which we never did anyway, was burn her out earlier in the year, you know? And so you can see what she did last year, get to the regional finals, she's strong, she's the big horse for us. and. You know, the plan is to do the same thing. You know, let's let's go go Georgina, and then we'll go Susie Allstaff, you know, the rest of the way. And uh, and, they, and they bought in. Oh, yes, Georgina Cork, the ace pitcher of the Bulls. But they brought in some uh, newcomers from other programs, including one that competed against the Bulls and competed well in her most recent outing, former ace of the ECU Pirates, Aaron Pepping. So George is going to get the lion's share of the innings, but a lot of help. I asked her to break down some of the newcomers. Um, it's really exciting. Um, obviously, I spend the vast majority of my days in the bullpen, um, so it's always fun having people that you can bounce new ideas off of and, and new personalities. So I actually live with Erin, um, who is the transfer from ECU. Um, I love her super bubbly. She's so much fun. She's a lot of positive energy for the bullpen. Um, I know sometimes us pitchers tend to take things a little too serious sometimes. Um, and she's really good at reminding me that we're having fun and it's a really great time. Um, so it's been really exciting learning how to work with her um, when she's no longer in the purple and she's not my you know, my rival anymore. Um, so that's been really exciting. Um, Antoinette coming from Purdue. Um, I know she hasn't had a lot of experience, um, but she's come out here and she works so hard every single day. Her and Vivian Pond, they work a lot. They're very similar in their personalities and in their approaches, um, as well as their pitching styles. Um, so it's really interesting to see them working off of each other because I'm not a drop ball pitcher, but they are. So I love to sit in and, and listen to their conversations because you can learn a lot from it, even if it's not my my pitches per se. Um, so she's been really interesting to learn. Um, definitely Peyton Dixon is one to keep an eye out for. She's our big, tall lefty. Um, she is she's a powerhouse. I like that description. And, of course, the Bulls getting right out of the gate with some big competition the first weekend. You'll see Michigan and Florida the second weekend, several ranked teams over in Clearwater. So you're going to need more than just one pitcher. And here's a little bit of returning to the outfield, Megan Sheehan, after a year of being hurt. Did you ever reach a point where you weren't sure how long it would take? What was your rehab like? Absolutely. My rehab was interesting. It was definitely not um, orthodox. I had So I had two separate surgeries. So I was about four months into my ACL rehab and then had to go back in for a second surgery because I tore my meniscus. So it was two separate surgeries, so it was kind of like um, getting four months in, getting to the point where I was running and jumping and then having to start from from ground zero. So it was definitely a mental battle as well as a physical one. Um, I feel very lucky though that I have the trainer that I do in Michelle. She's a blessing. I She's wonderful. I could talk about her all day. Um, and my teammates, they're phenomenal. My coaches were very patient with me. Um, my teammates were the first people there holding my hand when I had to try to do something new and I was scared and cheering me on when I did it. Um, so it was it was definitely a, a rocky road, but I always kind of saw the light at the end of the tunnel and my teammates really worked to keep me positive and to remind me that it wasn't forever, and it was it was it was going to end at some point. That's a little sampling, and the season will start at some point next Thursday. So more audio coming, and more names to look out for as we get close to the start of that season. You'll have plenty of games on Bulls Unlimited, baseball to follow the week after. So it's about to get really, really busy. We'll be on the court at Yingling Center on Sunday, airtime 11:45. And if you come out to tennis, we'll see you on those courts as well today and tomorrow. That's going to do it for Bulls Beat on a Friday. Keep those horns up this weekend. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.